Hi folks, Nathan here. I am glad to have uh, Israel Wayne for part two of our series uh, with him. Israel Wayne is uh, an author and a homeschool speaker. You can learn more about him at his website, familyrenewal.org. And I would encourage you to check out his books, including two of my favorites. Uh, first would be Education, Does God Have an Opinion? And secondly, uh, Answers for Homeschooling. Uh, he has written a number of other books, which I've enjoyed as well. So check that out at his website, familyrenewal.org. And uh, enjoy the podcast. Uh, today, he'll be going into some more topics, and we are very glad to have him. So thanks, and uh, welcome to the second half and the final in this series with Israel Wayne. Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. So I want to back up again a little bit to um, a few years ago. Um, an article was was published, and I believe um, I believe HSLDA may have published it. It was a Michael Ferris article, um, and and it was called. He was talking about the third wave, and he talked about sort of early attacks on homeschooling came in the form of academic um, issues. People claiming that homeschoolers homeschool students couldn't perform well academically. They weren't being prepared well. They weren't being schooled well. Um, eventually, that kind of faded away as research, Brian Ray's, Dr. Brian Ray's research, and many others' research um, sort of laid that to rest to to uh, for a lot of folks. Then another wave came, the second wave he referred to as the social um, aspect where people were claiming that homeschool students couldn't function socially in the world. They were not being prepared to function socially. So there, there was that, that, that social aspect, um, the social claim. Then um, what he referred to as the third wave of attacks was relating to um, basically fundamental beliefs, beliefs um, about, about truth and religious beliefs and sort of the underlying reason why many people choose to homeschool. And so I kind of feel like that's where some of this is coming from. Now, not universally. I don't think that everybody that's pointing a finger and saying there's homeschooling problems or we need homeschool regulations are saying that they they are being motivated out of a dislike for Christianity or for some other faith to be allowed to to pass their faith on to the next generation. But it seems to me that a lot of a lot of the um, direction that attacks are going indicates that that is one of the things that's driving that. Is that is that fair? Do you see that as well? I think that is entirely true. Um, I even have some personal experience with that that whole line of thinking. Um, our family in 2001 was featured in Time Magazine, uh, and the front cover story was, Is Homeschooling Good for America? Now, you know when you pick this up and you read it, that the final conclusion of Time Magazine is going to be, 
no, homeschooling is terrible <laughs> for America. So you just have to find out why. So out of curiosity, right, I read through all of the argumentation. And uh, what they, they said, this is me totally paraphrasing, but they, they basically said, we would like to use the argument that homeschoolers will not be able to perform academically at the level of public school students. However, every bit of research that's ever come out on this topic has proven that to be flagrantly false. So as much as we would like to use that argument, we can't, sadly. Okay. However, homeschooling is still bad for America. And here's why. And they, they were at second wave because of a lack of proper socialization and the therefore. So what's the therefore behind the socialization argument? Because there is one. That is that these poor socially inept students will not be able to grow up and become good citizens. They won't be good mm -hmm. citizens. And of course, that needs to be defined and quantified, right? So right. what are the objective metrics by which we define a good citizen? So that was 2001. 2009 was when Homeschooling Grows Up came out, which was a study of 8,000 homeschooled graduates who had been homeschooled seven years or more, were now adults working in the workforce, you know, living their lives, right? And that study found overwhelmingly that homeschoolers were involved positively in almost every way that you could be involved in society. They were more likely to have a college degree statistically. They were more likely to vote. They were more, which probably, you know, scared the leftist media mm -hmm. a lot more likely to have a library card more likely to read books more likely to give time to community service to donate to charitable causes more likely to be in a church less likely to have been arrested uh, less likely to do um, to be involved in drug or alcohol substance abuse um, just uh, positive more likely to own their own businesses like as opposed to just being employees like mm -hmm. i mean statistically so it was overwhelmingly positive. And then the media came out after 09, right? When this 08, maybe it was 08, um, came out and basically said, oh no, homeschool graduates are getting involved with society. This is bad, right? So the argument in 2001 from Time Magazine is they won't be able to participate in civ civic life mm -hmm. in any meaningful way because they're just too ill-equipped. Well, when the study came out, it scared the leftists quite a bit because not only are they getting involved, like they're very successful at what they do. And so then this, the consensus of the leftist media was, oh, no, they need to be stopped. And so then it became very much associated with ideology that, well, they're not the right kind of citizen. That's not what we meant. We didn't just mean that they would be engaged citizens. We meant that they would hold to the values of the collective. And this is why we need public schools, because public schools teach the values of the collective. And these right. homeschoolers are not doing that. They're teaching their own set of values that are, in many ways, different than the values of the collective. So they're still not good citizens. They're not participating in the democratic process the way we want them to. They don't think the right way. They don't believe the right way. They don't vote the right way. So we need to get them into the public schools so, that, so they're exposed to a, a wide variety of different ideas and different viewpoints. And um, so, yes, absolutely, positively, um, it is coming down to the, the viewpoint that these homeschool students are not being indoctrinated in the right kind of thinking that makes them the right kind of citizen. And so we're concerned about this and we want them in our public schools 
so that they get taught the values of the public. The, the thing about public schools is a total misnomer. They're not for the public. They're not run by the public. They are not controlled by the public. They are government schools. They are That's regulated, true. controlled, uh, and, and funded by, yeah, they're funded by tax dollars, but government money that, you know. Yeah. And so these government schools teach the values of what? The elites of the people mm -hmm. who control the government. And so, yeah, there is a worldview, there's an ideology that is presented, and it is increasingly shifting socially and politically to the left. In the 1950s, we didn't hear a promotion of homosexual marriage in the public schools. Um, in, in the 2000s, we did. Um, in the 2000s, we didn't hear about gender fluidity and transgenderism. Now we do, right? So there's a progression. There's a shift that's taking place. Right. In the 1980s, we didn't hear much flagrant promotion of socialism. Now we do. And so, and, and cultural Marxism. And so it's it's very much ideologically driven. I don't think it's it's monolithically anti-religion, uh, monolithically like anti-Christian as though that's the only component. I think it's part of it though, because Christianity opposes a lot of the other social issues that they're passionate about. Christianity opposes cultural Marxism. It opposes communism and socialism. It opposes, um, you know, queer theory and transgenderism and all of these other kinds of um, of ideals that are right. important to them, right? So, so Christianity is something that they very much oppose, but I think it's also because it, it encroaches ideologically. Uh, it encroaches upon their lifestyle in, in, in the sense that it tells them it's wrong. <laughs> right yep, yeah and yep. so and so they, they can't stand that you know that's something that they, they just can't be tolerant of <laughs> and um you know it's it's interesting i'll just share this i was asked by the washington post the question and and this did not get used in the washington post um but i was asked the question do you find that most uh homeschoolers um that you know um are buying religious curriculum and I said, well, I would say that if I look at the statistics of people who have started homeschooling post-COVID, there's a really high percentage of those who are not Christians who are homeschooling, and also those who would say, I'm Christian, but I am not homeschooling for religious reasons. So I'm not ideologically driven to homeschool sure. for religious purposes. And, and many of those people would even like use a secular curriculum. Right. So so I said, so I would say of the newer homeschoolers, that wouldn't be representative. But I will grant that traditionally, if you go back over 40 years, yes, I mean, homeschooling has been closely identified with with Christianity or, or Christian values. So many, many homeschoolers that I know, yes, they do want a Christian curriculum for their child. I do uh, for my child. Right. right. And the reporter asked me, well, well, why though? Like, what's the purpose of the Christian curriculum? Why, why wouldn't you just get, you know, the, the standard public school textbook and use that? Why would that not be sufficient? Like, what are you looking for in the Christian curriculum that you just couldn't get in the regular public school curriculum? And I said, well, I know that for a lot of us as Christian homeschoolers, one of the reasons we want specifically 
Christian curriculum is because we're anti-racist. And she said, what? <laughs> and I said, well, so, so I said, basically, you know, and we want our children to be exposed to more than one viewpoint. So if you have your children in a government school, they're going to get one monolithic perspective on origins, which mm -hmm. is big man cosmology and evolution. Within our Christian homeschool context, we, we teach our children about that, but then we also teach them about biblical creationism, and we teach them about intelligent design, and so they actually get sort of three different working theories that, uh, that are presented to them, and of course, we, we have a view of which one is correct, uh, which, which we give them, you know, and here's what we think. Um, but I said that that within our Christian curriculum, one of the things that is very unique and distinct about bi biblical Christianity is it teaches that everyone in the, in the world, um, all 8 billion of us, were descended from two common ancestors, one man, one woman, historical Adam and Eve. And so this concept of race and racism is very definitively a construct of Darwinian evolution. Um, and we're opposed to that. And so biblical Christianity teaches that genetically, uh, we are all one family uh, mm -hmm. in terms of hum humanity. There's only one race, the human race. And so we believe that there aren't various levels of evolutionary development where, you know, you have the, and I said, if you look at even the subtitle of Charles Darwin's book on origin of species, this uh, you know, this mention that he makes of the favored races, uh, there is this concept that some of us are just a little higher evolved than others. Hitler right. believed that and definitely went with that through the whole genetics movement, right? And we oppose that. We're against that. And so for us, it's essential that we teach our children that all people on this planet have, have dignity and value for two reasons. Number one, they're created by God in his image, and so on that basis, they have dignity and value, but also because we're all one family. And so there's not one people group that has a higher value or is more evolved than another people group. So we're very much against the racist ideology that has emerged out of evolution. We don't want our children being taught that. We don't want them being indoctrinated into that because we are anti-racist. And that's the only narrative that they will get in the government schools. Right, right. And and so, yes, a Christian curriculum is very specifically advantageous for us. That's why we go and look for it, because we want our children to grow up treating all people with dignity and respect and value. And so I just wonder, like, why is why is that such a threat? Right. And why? Right. Fascinating that didn't get used in the Washington Post. No, that didn't get used in the Washington Post article. Um, but but it's it's interesting how the the view is that um, the the well, I'll just go ahead and share this too. The Washington Post had put out an article, uh, basically insinuating that many homeschoolers are Nazis. Oh yes. Yeah, that was one of their articles. And so I referenced that. And I said, you know, quite contrary to what you're promoting, the Christian homeschooling com community has an ideological foundation for why we oppose Nazism. Right. Because ethnic racism is morally reprehensible from a biblical standpoint. Uh, whereas within evolutionism, 
um, you you can't find a reason to condemn it, right? Uh, objectively, yeah. um, and so uh, you know it's it's very interesting how the, the homeschooling community is is being portrayed as uh, as racist, as Nazis, um, as child abusers. I mean, just egregious charges, um, and yet apparently these publications uh, feel that this will sell. Uh, my my viewpoint on it, Nathan, is I think this is going to hurt them in the long run. My viewpoint is this will not go well for them. That I think that they are not just attacking homeschooling. I think they feel like that's what they're doing. I mean, I, I let me say, this. I don't know their heart, right? Right. <laughs> so I don't know why they do what they do. <clears throat> uh, so I, I can't I can't judge what's going on in their heart and mind. So let me rephrase it. But I I, I think that. Um, their attacks on homeschooling are not merely against homeschooling. If you back up and you look at this from a broader perspective, they are promoting a narrative that the government should be innately trusted and parents should be innately distrusted. Right. That's the larger narrative. They're honing in on homeschoolers because I think they feel like a lot of other parents who don't homeschool will go along with them and throwing homeschoolers under the bus as a minority group. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to backfire because I think a lot of parents, even those who do not home educate their children, are going to wake up and see the actual narrative that's being promoted. I just wrote an article for a group called Illinois Family Institute, and it was called Whom Should We, Tr Whom Should we Distrust? Um, and, and the article basically goes through quotes from our founding fathers who repeatedly said, the citizens, including parents, mm -hmm. need to watch over the shoulder of government and supervise them and be suspect of them because they are very likely, if not carefully watched, to become abusive. Yeah. So they need to be monitored constantly <clears throat> by the citizens. And if you don't do this, then they will start abusing. And, right. and this was a constant thread from James Madison, from Thomas Jefferson, from Patrick Henry, you know, down the line, right? The founding fathers, all, you can find quotes from all of them saying this. They firmly believed it. And then I had a bunch of quotes from these academicians from these Ivy League schools, the Robert Reiches and the Elizabeth Bartholets and so on, who are saying, the government needs to be watching over the shoulder of parents and citizens, because if we don't, then these people will become the people, the citizens will become abusive. It's a 180 degree yeah. paradigm shift. And I, I know if you grew up in government schooling and you went to higher education, you're deeply entrenched in this, this propaganda. Um, but I think that people are going to wake up to it. And I think they're yeah. going to see the narrative that's being sold. And this is actually an attack against all parental rights. Um, it's a it's a, an attack against the right of parents to think differently than the government, to to teach any kind of different ideology than what is being promoted in the traditional schools. And they're actually becoming very quickly thought police. Right. Not yeah. just policing actions, but policing values policing ideas, uh, policing convictions, and saying some ideas are not acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, some beliefs are not acceptable. And uh, and they're moving towards trying to make them prosecutable. 
right unspeakably scary yeah it seems like just even the concept of there being a some sort of sphere of of authority within the family um the way that you see outlined in scripture this concept of the family and that there's an authority structure there that that very concept itself is under attack and it's it's really ridiculous and like you pointed out it's it's a 180 degree shift from from the creation of our country until now the people that are that are pushing this this ideology right now um and i think you're right i think it is it's broader than homeschooling it's it's the parental rights concept that's that's really um under attack and it seems like it just seems like there's there's no end to what uh, seeing over over the last months it seems like there's no end to the what they'll do you know mm -hmm. what they'll say even um because, because they don't want there to be options they don't want parents to be able to escape the government monopoly um because yeah. um the the teachers unions get to control the narrative that is promoted to the children and you know these special interest groups work together and they are creating a mass of of young citizens who think alike who vote alike who believe the same things and it's what they want and they've become very successful in that and they are winning elections now because of yeah. that yeah it is very they don't want to see that threatened yeah it is very much an orwellian concept with the whole ministry of truth i mean we we just saw um we've seen bills proposed in california maybe you've seen them too of you know trying to establish a um a group of people to create a sort of or Im implement into the curriculum in the public schools a methodology for determining truth and to have a me they call it media literacy mm -hmm. but it's essentially saying this is this is what is true here's how you determine it it's almost it's it's basically a a class in discernment from the government's perspective we 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 control it um which kind of fits right in well if they're as accurate as the facebook fact checkers we're in a world of hurt yes this is very true. This is very true. Oh, my goodness. Well, again, um, I really appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything else that you want to add in here before we um, sign off? I really appreciate your your insights on these things, your background and history on some of it, and just sort of helping us think through um, where some of this is coming from and, and where it may be going. Yeah, there's um, there's one resource that I'd like to mention. Um, there's a, a book that I've written for your viewers who who really want to think more specifically about homeschooling. Uh, there's a book that I've written called Answers for Homeschooling, the top 25 questions critics ask. And in this book, I, I give kind of a defense or an apologetic, if you will, for um, why homeschooling makes sense. And so I talk about all the objections that people raise against homeschooling. What about the academic argument? What about the social argument? Um, what about the parents aren't qualified argument? What about the uh, it's not practical, people can't afford it? What about the single parent? Like I, mm. all of those things. Um, I address each one of those questions. And so uh, I would encourage people if they want more information on knowing how to 
think of, think correctly. And I reference lots of research, so it's not just my opinion. Um, how to think more correctly about homeschooling objectively uh, or or personally. I think that book would be helpful. Um, you can get it anywhere that books are sold, but um, if you want to get it from my website, which is familyrenewal.org, um, I would be happy to personally sign it for you. Uh, so that's something I'll do that Amazon won't. Um, <laughs> so I would I would encourage you to, to do that. Go to familyrenewal.org and, uh, and check that book out. I think it would be highly helpful for you. Yeah, thank you very much. And and uh, Israel has a lot of other good resources on on that website as well. I would encourage you to check out um, those. And um, I've I've really appreciated um, both answers for homeschooling as well as education. Does God have an opinion? Um, which if uh, if you're interested in in that sort of um, perspective on it, I would check that out as well. Um, particularly if you're uh, a pastor interested in kind of looking into this a bit deeper, um, Israel gives a, a good um, sort of taking a deeper look at that aspect of it. So um, thank you so much, Israel. I really appreciate your time today. And um, we'll definitely be talking again soon. Well, and I want to just go ahead and, and say this because I'm, I'm not uh, employed by Family Protection Ministries and I'm, I'm not on the payroll, uh, but I firmly, and I live in Michigan, but I firmly believe in the work that Family Protection Ministries does in California. I think they're one of the most important organizations in the state. They're on the front lines defending parental rights and defending the, the rights of the citizens to, to truly you know, live with maximum liberty under the law. Uh, and, and by that, you know, meaning what is just and what is right, not just what is uh, legislated, right? And so... They, they have really had a phenomenal impact uh, over the past several de decades uh, that they've been serving families. And um, I'm just so thankful for Nathan's leadership. And um, you guys need to get behind this organization financially because um, people always assume that, well, these organizations must have some, you know, billion dollar donors or something. They don't. Um, they actually uh, exist because families just like yours um, donate and help to enable them to be able to do the work that they do uh, at the state capitol, watching the bills and helping to protect your family. And so um, I highly, highly recommend if you've not done so, please donate to Family Protection Ministries, support what they're doing. It is absolutely essential. And then also, if you are a homeschooler, uh, please become a member of CHIA of California. So C-H-E-A, uh, you can go to C-H-E-A of ca.org, chiaofcalifornia.org. Um, they're your state homeschool association. And so the best way that you can help to keep homeschooling safe and legal in your state and to be able to preserve homeschool freedoms is to support these two organizations. Um, CHIA is also a 501c3 not-for-profit not organization. They accept donations as well. I know Family Protection Ministries and CHIA have great relationships over the years. Uh, that they formed and they work together uh, supporting and encouraging each other because they're, they're all for parental rights. You know, both organizations are for parental rights. And so um, so make sure that you join, uh, get on uh, Chi of California's email list and on FPM's email list so that you can get legislative alerts. Uh, very important because um, you need to uh, stay alert and be involved. Um, and when they ask you to respond to a certain bill, contact your legislators, let your voice be heard. It matters. It actually matters. The lady in Michigan this week just said, oh, it's not going to do any good. 
Why, 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 you know, me calling my congressman, it's not going to do any good. It does. It actually does. And so we, we need you and uh, I encourage you to get behind these two organizations and support them. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Israel. I appreciate that. Um, we definitely need to work together. We stand a much better chance when we stand together. So thanks, Israel. We'll be praying for you and all the folks out there in Michigan. Um, and we'll keep on keeping on. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Frontline with FPM. For more information about the topics we discuss here, check out Family Protection Ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel.